If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. This week in Revolt Black News, we look at America's cape. See, from providing aid to Haiti to delaying its withdrawal in Afghanistan. America is attempting to help those who are in dire need. But we know that historically, there have always been issues when a Western country imposes itself in anticipation of assistance, but without the proper coordination or properly viewing all of its options, including the option of restraint. Now we know when you do this, a conceivable result can be additional harm. And domestically, let's look at the hesitancy for the COVID vaccination from some black men. Where did this skepticism come from, y'all? We know that that trauma didn't originate within black men. No, we know that that trauma originated because of the United States government. And now we are not here to offer y'all A or B options and solutions, but we are here to remind you that there's an entire alphabet of actions that are possible. So today we're gonna look deep at America's cape and her colors, red, white, and blue. And consider that maybe the reason why so many regard America with such complexity is because those colors are not black and white. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now, of course, as each day continues to unfold, there's new news in Afghanistan. There continues to be new developments, especially as it relates to the United States and its expected withdrawal. So we're going to bring a friend to our show who just so happens to be the only member of Congress back in 2001 to vote against the Afghanistan war. Welcome back to the show, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Nice being with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, dear. Now, as I said in the intro, uh, you, Congresswoman, did oppose the war. And only three days after that horrific 9-11 massacre on September 14th, 2001, you said this on the U.S. House floor to uh, oppose the resolution, that is. You said, our country is in a state of mourning. Some of us must say, let's step back for a moment. Let's just pause just for a minute to think through the implications of our actions today so that this does not spiral out of control. Uh, Congresswoman, in your uh, response to what has happened since, do you think the next 20 years after your, your statement, have we spiraled out of control? It has, but it has been for the last 20 years. And uh, thank you um, for giving me a chance to talk a little bit about that. First of all, uh, three days after the horrific attack, uh, there was no way, uh, given the fact that we all were grieving, we were in mourning, we were angry. Oh, 3,500 uh, people were killed in these terrorist attacks. My uh, chief of staff, Sandre Swanson, his cousin was a flight attendant on Flight 93. And they took, and I, those are heroes and sheroes on that flight. They took that plane down in Pennsylvania. I was sitting in the Capitol that morning and had to evacuate because they thought that plane was coming into the Capitol. They saved my life. And so I was as angry as everyone else was. And I was as sad as everyone else was. And I'm a major, a lot of people don't know that, but I majored in psychology and clinical social work. I have my MSW and I know based, based on my training, based on Psych 101, you don't make critical, hard decisions when you're grieving, when you're mourning, when you're emotional, when you're 
being really uh, when you're dealing with so much trauma. And three days after these attacks, you're going to come forth with an overly broad authorization to go to war with no plan, no end date, no nothing except the president's authorized to go to war. And that could be any president, a Democrat or a Republican. And so there was no way I could vote for that during that period because we didn't even know the cost and consequences uh, three days afterwards. Secondly, uh, remember, the Constitution requires members of Congress to declare war or authorize the use of force. You don't give over such a broad authorization to go to war in perpetuity. You don't do that because that sets the stage forever for forever wars. And what it does is removes your member of Congress from your voice on issues that are constitutional issues that are so grave that they could lead to life or death. That's uh, Article 2. So Congress has been missing in action for the last 20 years. Indeed, Congresswoman. Now, President Biden has put an August 31st deadline to uh, completely withdraw, but uh, estimates of Americans are very unclear from the State Department. Uh, do you anticipate that this withdrawal is going to take a lot longer than what's being communicated to the American people? It looks like it is, and I hope that uh, we get every and everyone out. Like I say, I chair the subcommittee that funds a lot of the, what's taking place in terms of humanitarian assistance, in terms of resettlement of refugees. Uh, and we need time. We've got to get every uh, American out. We've got to get every Afghan ally out. And we've got to protect women and children. And this deadline coming up just shows, uh, and what has taken place, shows how really unprepared we were. But remember, this was a Donald Trump uh, effort that dealt this administration, this hand. And of course, the president was right to begin withdrawal because there is no military solution in Afghanistan and we can't go around the world in Nationville. So he was correct in that. But not being prepared, not being prepared to save lives and evacuate people uh, is mind boggling. And, and so I'm hoping that uh, if we get everyone out by the 31st, fine. But if not, we need to, to uh, move forward and try to get some kind of uh, negotiated um, provisions for an extension of that date, deadline. Right. Now, as you mentioned, Congresswoman, lots of concern, of course, for the Afghan community as well. Uh, a Taliban spokesperson has told news outlets that women and girls will have certain protected rights, but we all know the Taliban's record there. And there have already been reports um, that have contradicted those claims. If the Afghan people are in what is clearly a humanitarian crisis, they are under ter terrorist rule, what do you think the U.S. should do about that, um, as opposed to, like you said, a forever war? Um, what do you think of the, the efforts so far that the U.S. has taken to help the Afghan people? Sure. Well, over the last 20 years, uh, we can't deny that there were some gains and some support for women in terms of women's empowerment and women's rights, women's education, girls, and what have you. So we've got to continue that. And once again, remember I said development and diplomacy. We can have those tools at our disposal. We have the funding. So now, uh, as chair of the subcommittee, the Appropriations Subcommittee on State and Foreign Operations, I'm looking at how we can uh, work with NGOs, the United Nations, until we figure out where the Taliban is going. Uh, we can't do direct funding to, to the government, but we still can have a process where we can support um, women's uh, rights. All right. Now, as a parting word, uh, what would you like our viewers to, to kind of keep in mind, Congresswoman, as we all continue to watch these events unfold over the next few weeks? 
What I'd like uh, everyone to keep in mind is that our domestic policy as it relates to criminal justice reform, as it relates to systemic racism, as it relates to uh, our gaps that we have to support reparations, HR 40 to close in terms of repairing the damage, all of these issues are so closely tied to our international issues. And I want people, especially our young people, our young African-Americans, our young uh, people of color, to get more engaged in foreign policy and international relations. I, as I said, I'm on the Appropriations Committee and I chair a, a large committee, $62 billion budget, and I want to hear from the public. I want you to weigh in. I want you to lobby your members of Congress to say, look, we've got to figure out this reimagining of defense development and diplomacy, and let's look at this defense budget, $740 billion. Look at Barbara Lee's budget, $62 billion. Isn't there a way that we can reprioritize our tax dollars? to make sure that we do have a country that leads on global peace and security, not using the military, our military might first. And finally, let me just say, we have to salute our troops. I'm the daughter of a veteran, uh, 25 years in the army. My dad served in World War II and in Korea. He was the first person who called me and told me that was the right vote. Don't send our troops in harm's way unless you know what the heck you're doing. And so I think our young people especially need to get involved very quickly on defense spending and on diplomacy and development and hit those streets and lobby Congress and tell your members of Congress what to do in terms of what you see, how you envision the world as it relates to climate and every other issue of justice. Congresswoman Lee, as always, we want to thank you for this incredibly important conversation and we hope that you come back and join us again very soon. All right, y'all, up next, we've got your headlines. Stay with us. We've got a whole lot more Revolt Black News after this. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Here are this week's headlines. In Afghanistan, the Taliban is not allowing the Afghan people to leave the country, and they are warning the United States to uphold their August 31st withdrawal deadline. Let's take a look. We have just learned from the Pentagon, this is their statement, we can confirm that a number of U.S. service members were killed at the Kabul airport. A number of others are being treated for wounds. A number of Afghans fell victim to this heinous attack. And President Biden is still holding firm on the August 31st deadline, although he did originally say that he may extend it. Let's watch. I had a basic decision to make. I either withdraw America from a 20-year war that, depending on whose analysis you accept, cost us $150 million a day for 20 years or $300 million a day for 20 years, who, and I, you know I carry this card to me every day, and who, in fact, uh, where we lost 2,448 Americans dead and 20,722 wounded either increase the number of forces we keep, we keep there and keep that going, or I end the war. And I decided to end the war. Over now to Haiti. The death toll 
has sadly risen to over 2,200 souls, and there are currently 300 plus people reported missing. Let's look. Days after a 7.2 magnitude earthquake devastated Haiti's southwest peninsula, residents are growing increasingly desperate. Now, later on in the show, White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre joins to give all the updates on how the United States is providing aid, so make sure you stay tuned for that important conversation. And in more international news, Zambia has a new president. Hakai Inde Hachilima. Now, Hachilima defeated the former president, Edgar Longu, in a convincing victory by almost one million votes. Joining the new president in the swearing-in ceremony was the new vice president, and she is Zambia's second female VP ever, Mutala Nalu Mongo. Now, back here in the States, the former lieutenant governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, is now the first female governor of New York. She, of course, replaces Andrew Cuomo, who resigned after New York Attorney General Letitia James. Her report did find that he'd sexually harassed multiple women. Now, in one of Governor Hochul's first moves, she's appointing State Senator Brian Benjamin as the new lieutenant governor. Benjamin is a Harlem Democrat. Over in California, ahead of the September 14th gubernatorial recall election, more than one million ballots have reportedly been mailed in already. The election looks to potentially recall Governor Gavin Newsom, who's been heavily criticized for his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to numerous polls, the Republican frontrunner is currently conservative talk radio host Larry Elder. Now, for those unfamiliar, Elder is no stranger to controversy. He opposes affirmative action, does not believe in systemic racism, opposes a minimum wage and gun control, among many other issues. Now, for our California viewers who still got your ballots or are planning to go to the polls on September 14th, stay tuned because in the final moment of today's show, we're going to give you some really important details as to how to successfully fill out that ballot. It's a little tricky, but as always, we've got you covered. Now in Congress, Biden's infrastructure plans are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. The U.S. House of Representatives voted to pass a 3.5 trillion dollar budget resolution and advance a one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. In a vote tallying 220 to 212, Democrats can now write and approve a spending package without Republican blockage and can set its sights on final passage. Now with a more targeted student loan forgiveness program coming from the Biden administration, a number of HBCUs, including Clark Atlanta University, are joining the effort with federal funding as well as private donations. Clark Atlanta University President George T. French Jr. said this, We're committing $5 million, assisting nearly 2,000 students with account balances. The impetus, of course, was to help our students and to make sure from a business, from a financial implication posture, to make sure that we reduced our student debt so that they could matriculate and graduate. Wilberforce University, Hampton University, and Gramlin State University are among more than 20 HBCUs that are clearing student debt. Now, the FDA has granted full approval of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. Let's take a look. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, announced it is fully concluded 
It's, the, it's now it's a thorough, independent scientific review. After a strict process, the FDA has reaffirmed its findings that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective, and the FDA has given its full and final approval. And in more COVID news, the CDC released a new study saying that unvaccinated individuals are, get this, 29 times more likely to be hospitalized from COVID. And just this week, there was a 14% increase in hospitalizations in the U.S. And Reverend Jesse Jackson, who's been hospitalized from COVID-19, said on Tuesday that he's doing fairly well. The 79-year-old civil rights leader is fully vaccinated and he is currently recovering in Chicago in a hospital along with his wife Jacqueline, who was not vaccinated due to a pre-existing condition that they were all concerned about. We, of course, wish both a very speedy and full recovery. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for this week's headlines. Up next, we've got a critically important conversation with Dr. Bernard Ashby and Dr. Thomas Oden. You don't want to miss it. Join me for that discussion about black men and the vaccine. We've got a lot more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now, despite the recent news that the FDA has finally approved the Pfizer COVID vaccine, there's still a bit of hesitancy from our community, and in particular, it seems, from some black men. So we thought we'd bring in some excellent black male physicians to help examine both the fears and the facts. Joining us is vascular cardiologist, professor, and friend of the show, Dr. Bernard Ashby. Also with us is a psychiatrist who specializes in forensics, integrative health, and psychotherapy, Dr. Thomas Oden. Welcome both of you gentlemen to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very of much. Of course. Absolutely. Um, now, we know that when it comes to uh, unvaccinated black men in America, they seem to have a particular age range. Um, I'm interested to hear from both of you what you've experienced in your conversations with patients and otherwise. Uh, what other commonalities do uh, unvaccinated black men seem to share? I'll start with you, Dr. Ashby. What we see is that in general, African-Americans across the board have a much lower vaccination rate than the general population, particularly when compared to whites. Mm. But there's also a gender gap that transcends race, but is more apparent when it comes to African-Americans. And so it's hard to get the, the granular statistics on this, but the range goes from 10% to 100% gap between women and men when it comes to vaccination rates. And there's a number of reasons. And one of the things that we see now in social media is that there's a ton of misinformation and uh, a particular proclivity to uh, folks engaging in conspiracy theories. Now, mm -hmm. I do agree that um, we should not trust the government. Uh, they have not earned our trust. And particularly in healthcare institutions, we see how uh, people of color, particularly black women and black men are treated. Uh, there's a real issue there. And so you can't just come out the blue and say, take a vaccine without uh, actually proving mm -hmm. that you, you, you care about us because their actions thus far have indicated the opposite, meaning that mm -hmm. they don't attend to our healthcare needs. And the fact that they, they are pushing the vaccines without any comprehensive strategy 
uh, kind of, you know, cause it, cause them for what it is. All they care about is getting getting vaccines in arms. And I think we have to mm. understand that part of the equation to really connect with folks because, you know, the vaccines are safe, they're effective, but uh, mm -hmm. the CDC, the FDA, the healthcare institutions have a long way to re regaining our trust, but I don't think they've ever, they've ever had it, to be honest. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Odin, to that point of connecting with people, you recently did a really powerful and important Instagram Live to discuss these very things as it relates to the vaccine. Um, again, did, did you notice any commonalities amongst some of the... Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Black men in particular that might be hesitant around the vaccine. Right. I've seen commonality in regards to... Uh, many black men are, are seeing themselves um, understanding what's happened in history. So many of them knowledgeable what's happened in the past. Many of them are distrustful of the government. Uh, they feel like the messaging has been mixed. Uh, we always see this pattern in government where years later, documents get declassified. We see things that have been done to us, and that's been hundreds of years in the making. Mm -hmm. I see many people that want to have their own body autonomy that are trying to break a lot of barriers and they want their independence and don't want to fall into any patterns or statistics. They don't want to be experimented on. And so when you have those concerns, when you go on social media, most people go online and they actually find things to confirm their fears. They don't really go and look up things mm. that may actually be contradictory to what they believe. And so when you have general distrust that was hundreds of years in the making, when you're trying to do the best that you know how to do to take care of yourself due to health inequities that exist in our country, I think that leads to a recipe of distrust. And when you try to educate yourself and make the best decision possible, due to disinformation, misinformation, it's very easy for you to get lost in the, in the, uh, the clouds of, of so many different people trying to tell you what's right and what's wrong. That makes sense to me. Dr. Odin, uh, you and Dr. Ashby have both referenced um, the historical um, breach of trust, to put it mildly, of the, the United States government. Mm -hmm. A lot of people around their vaccination hesitancy cite the Tuskegee experiment, lots of misinformation on social media about what happened there, what didn't happen there. Dr. Odin, uh, just clear it up for us. What exactly happened uh, to black people and black men during the Tuskegee experiment? Sure. It was a 40-year experiment to see the long-term effects of untreated syphilis. Uh, that was years in the making of scientific racism. Uh, they believed in thoroughism, that you know we were less intelligent, that if we were actually sick, 
we wouldn't get treatment. And so that's what they were used to justify this government funded study. And so what I'm finding myself having conversations about within many people in a community that are, you know, pro black, we want to make sure we're taking care of ourselves is that I know you don't want to be experimented on, you want the opportunity to take care of yourself, you don't want to be part of any type of right. science project. But the reality is, our demographic, our age range, our social economic standpoint, black people live in the same areas. And so technically not being vaccinated, subjects you to more severe disease, it puts you at at risk of more severe disease. And so basically our deaths, our suffering is going to be used to understand the coronavirus a lot more from us not mm. being treated. And so actually being afraid of being experimented on or being used for research, actually not being vaccinated is the fastest course to that action taking place. That's a, that's a great way to put it right there at the end, uh, Dr. Odin. Not being vaccinated is really the fastest course of action of duplicating uh, the trauma and tragedy of the Tuskegee mm -hmm. experiment. I think that's very clear. Okay, so this is an incredibly important, nuanced, specific conversation that we're having, and this is what our people deserve. But sadly, we know that there are those interests who will try to hijack this conversation right now for their own bias. We know, like the example of the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, who right now is trying to blame Black America for being the biggest group uh, of unvaccinated Americans. Now, right now, Black Americans only make up 13% of the populace, and the Kaiser Family Foundation has found that it is white adults who make up the largest unvaccinated population. So just for clarity, uh, clearing up these false narratives, Dr. Odin, can you set the record straight on this? Right. I feel like false narratives have carried within our community for such a long time. Uh, there's always okay. trying to place the blame on us for different things going on in the country, although we don't create the policies that uh, really have you know, great influence on our country. Uh, but yes, we, we know the data is showing that white Americans are really the largest group that's really responsible for the spread of this virus. And that's been going up for quite some time. And but I, I am seeing more people get vaccinated um, in, in our in our race group. I am seeing us get more awareness. It's just taking time. And unfortunately, you know, this virus continues to shift and, and spread. So uh, there's just more more opportunities like this to talk on these platforms in order for us to really send the message forward. Um, none of this undoes the horrific inequities of health, disparaging uh, natures that happen to our people in this country. But this opportunity to uh, assess our natural uh, immunity and get vaccinated um, would certainly improve upon our current station as it relates to this pandemic and future pandemics. Dr. Ashby. You know, my, 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 my take on point is that like the, like the reason why we here, the reason why, why mm -hmm. black physicians are here, we're, we're not supposed to be like white physicians. Like we, we're supposed to mm. carry the distrust and carry the interests of our community and, and, and verify everything before we before we go back and tell our people to do anything. And that's kind of what I'm saying here is, is that I've looked at the original data and this is what I'm recommending contrary to what the CDC tells you. And I, and I got receipts and, and information to back it up. Copy that. Dr. Odin, final thoughts? Yeah, so this uh, pandemic is becoming the disease of the unvaccinated. We know that vaccines work very well. Um, we've gone through a lot as a people. So it's very understandable and actually logical to be distrustful of this vaccine and other vaccines that are available. and. Well, the government hasn't cared about us for so long. Why do they care about our health and well-being now? That makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Anxiety, worry about what can happen. Um, oftentimes, anxiety can distort your thinking. It can make you not see the bigger picture. And then when you go online and search things, you're going to find things that likely confirm what you're reading. And that's just due to algorithms and things like that. So it's very important to discern. 
Um, there's so many things are going on right now in the pandemic. Understand that Black physicians are charged, and we understand that it's important for us to help our communities. Most of us went to historically Black medical schools, and so we knew that we would have to educate our people, that we would have to work in underserved communities. We understood that very well. And so as much as there's so much distortion, so many facts getting misconstrued, understand that we are here to help, understand that we under, we, we are, you look like my family members, so I'm not gonna do anything to harm you. Um, there's mm -hmm. questions and that makes a lot of sense, but just go through the proper channels, talk to physicians if you have the opportunity to, and just make sure that you're making the best decision possible for the vaccines actually work. I know a lot of people are going to likely not get vaccinated due to their anxiety and it's going to cause them problems when they actually get SARS-CoV-2 that develops into COVID. And so discern the proper information, understand black doctors are here for you. And we know that there's more work to do and we're gonna do what we can. Uh, Dr. Odin, Dr. Ashby, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. That's why you're here today on Revolt Black News. We understand uh, that we all have a shared interest in saving lives, saving black lives and saving the lives of black men in this conversation in particular. We felt it was important for two black, brilliant male minds to speak on it. And you've done that. We thank you so much. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. Up next, we've got Shamia Morton, who's going to give us our Black Excellence in Entertainment headlines. We've got a lot more Revolt Black News on the way. Stay with us. Shamia Morton, and I'll be hosting this week's Black Excellence Headlines. Joining me is media personality and host of the Heat and Hip Hop Nation on Sirius XM, Swaggy C. What's going on, friend? What's going on, Shamia? I'm excited. Let, let's talk some Black Excellence. Yes, all things Black is always excellent, right? <laughs> like yes. actress Celine Smith has been cast as the lead for NBC's production of Annie Live. The cast includes heavy hitters like Taraji P. Henson, Harry Connick Jr., and more. Annie Live, wow, is set to air December. Are we here for this? Listen, I cannot wait for this, Shamia. I, I'm very excited to see uh, Selena on the big screen, or I should say on the small screen because it's coming to NBC, but uh, she's no stranger to being on this screen, and I think, I think it's going to be great. Yes, I mean, I have a daughter and I'm definitely looking forward to having her see this. This girl is beautiful, and she's a Taurus. Her birthday is one day before mine, so congratulations. Now, comedian Marlon mm -hmm. Wayans is set to star and produce in a new untitled Netflix comedy. The former scary movie star is set to play in a Halloween-themed film directed by Blumhouse film director Jeff Wadlow. Are we looking forward to this film? Okay. I mean, my personal opinion, I love Marlon. Uh, of course, he's a Wayne's. They, they come from excellence. But I, I'm a little on the fence right now. I didn't see Sex Tuplets. Really? I don't have the urge to see it. I don't mean to be shady, but that, that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But, you know, I guess I'm kind of the opposite. I did see Sex Tuplets. I mean, one okay. of the funniest uh, parts of that film was when he's in the hospital and he's, like, dying really small and, like, <laughs> A huge meme. A meme has come from that. Like, I feel like every other week right. I see that on my timeline. So I'm all about okay. all things from the Wayans. They are hilarious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, Desus Nice and the Kid Nero have just been renewed for a fourth season of the Showtime series. 
Desus and Miro. Let me just say that I saw some of the footage mm -hmm. of y'all with Booker. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, before you say anything, that was a deep fake and fake news. Yes, so it was. Not it was. It's, misrepresent it's, us. Uh, if, you it, post it, that, if you post that video on Twitter, dude, it will be disclaimed and there'll be I'm a little just, note on the I'm bottom. I'm just saying, here's, here's the good news. Looks like y'all could play for the Knicks. Ooh, wow, wow, <laughs> wow, right oh, off the rip. Off the rip, Barry with the oh. kill shot. Whoa, what's Oof. going on? They supposed to be a shooters, not you, bro. Wow. What's going you on? You don't even need Secret Service. <laughs> The hit series is set to return to television screens in 2022. Congrats are in order for the two, yes. And Showtime has also ordered a TV pilot series based off the film, The Woods. Yo, you know what, man? You need to just grow your ass up, man, and handle your responsibility. Man, I just don't want to be wondering what if. If he didn't want to get married, he shouldn't have asked. He said, I love you, I want to marry you. Go away, bro. I mean, man, females get way too much power with this, man. Stop, stop. We can make this a physical thing. I'm not ready. How long we been going together? Is it supposed to look like that? What you doing? You don't think I'm gonna give it up after one week. Wow, wow, wow! I see not a lot has changed in high school. The joke's over. Pass the clothes. Yeah. Now the film co-writer and director Rick Samuyiwa will serve as director and executive producer of the pilot and showrunner of the shy, Justin. Hillian will pin the pilot and also executive produce now. Not every pilot makes it to the series, but what do you think? I mean, what do you think the odds are of this one getting greenlit? I think I think there's a, a good chance of this going down. I am looking forward to this. I know some people are always on the on the fence of messing with classics, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I gotta see how the pilot goes, you know? <laughs> right, right. I think they have a great production team. And the cast is nice, so I'm, I'm here for it. Beyonce and Jay-Z are the new face of Tiffany and Company. Okay, that's been all over my timeline. The campaign about love, the couples can be seen in the front of a never-seen-before John Michael Bassett portrait. Beyonce is also the first Black woman to wear the iconic yellow Tiffany's diamond in the campaign for the jeweler. I mean, I'm so here for this. I know you are. I love Jay-Z. Uh, obviously, I love Beyonce. And uh, to see them being in the face of Tiffany, I, I think it, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. And, and it continues the representation that Tiffany honestly has been uh, putting out. So I, I'm here for it. Absolutely. I know. I'm like, let's head on down to Tiffany and Company right now. I need to get me a piece of this new love collection. Swaggy <laughs> <laughs> C, oh my goodness, this was so much fun. We definitely have to do this again. Shamia, listen, thank you for having me. This is my first time. It's an honor. I love Revolt. We're always going to be pushing Black excellence. So again, uh, thank you for having me. All right. Now we're stepping away for a quick break, but more Revolt news right after this. So stick around. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. I'm Rochelle Ritchie. Now with the 7.2 magnitude earthquake that devastated the tiny Caribbean country of Haiti over the past week, the United States has rapidly mobilized coordinating efforts to get help to the Haitian people. 
So we wanted to take a deeper look to see exactly how those efforts are going. So joining me now is White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary, Karen Jean-Pierre, who also has Haitian lineage. Karine, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you have a super busy schedule, so we'll get right to it. So Haiti has suffered an enormous amount of damage, and now the death toll is at 2,000. We expect that number to get even higher over the days and weeks to come, unfortunately. And now the United States is stepping in to help. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the United States is doing right now to help the people of Haiti? Yes, thank you so much, Rochelle, again, for, for having me uh, today. I wanted to first say that um, hours after the earthquake, uh, the, the, we learned about the earthquake, uh, the president went into action and made sure that he uh, uh, was there was a U.S. response to the earthquake and offered his condolences uh, to folks who lost their loved ones and lost their businesses. It's just heartbreaking and devastating, especially what we just saw uh, a couple months ago with the Haitian president. Uh, being assassinated. So we see the Haitian people, the Haitian government as a partner. Uh, we have a longstanding relationship uh, with, with the people of Haiti, the president in particularly does. And so, he, like I said, he, we went straight into action. He um, had uh, the head of USAID, who is Samantha Power, um, take, you know, uh, asked her to take control and to lead the efforts um, in Haiti to the humanitarian effort. And so what she ended up doing is she we started the, um, the DART, which is the Disaster Assistant Response Team. And what that entails in Haiti is a 65-person search and rescue team, four canines, and 52,000 pounds of tools and equipment which arrived in Haiti a few days ago. And so uh, another another component that we did was we gave an initial 100,000 to the American Red Cross to support emergency logistics and shelter assistance. Um, and also um, we had the U.S. Coast Guard who has offered up helicopters to make sure that we medevac people out of there. We're talking about more than 200 people. Uh, we're talking about more than 100 um, uh, uh, medical experts uh, that were also uh, brought in. And so so we have had this kind of all of government approach, if you will, with the USAID, the Coast Guard. We have the USS Arlington that the Secretary of Defense, Austin, uh, just tweeted today that the USS Arlington is going to be arriving uh, on Sunday. And that's going to have a couple of helicopters that's going to have more than 200 Marines uh, and also uh, medical medical assistance. So we are definitely um, all hands on deck here wanting to make sure that we are assisting and helping uh, the people of, of, of Haiti directly and working with humanitarian organizations on the ground as well. Now, one of the things that we're starting to see sort of trend on social media media is this call for funds, you know, call for people to donate money. But one of the issue is, issues is, is that there's a lot of distrust when, it's, when it comes to this, because when we look back at the 2010 earthquake, uh, the United States donated the first initial $100,000 to the American Red Cross. And then there were uh, investigations by journalists that revealed that a lot of those funds did not even make it uh, to the people of Haiti. So if people are sending their money, uh, what is the best way that they can do that and make sure yeah. uh, that it's going to get to the people of Haiti and ensuring that there's some sort of transparency this time on exactly where the funds are going? 
Yeah, that's an excellent question, Rochelle. Look, we are, you know, we are partnering, as I said, with the Haitian government, uh, the U.S. Embassy in Haiti, but also humanitarian organizations. And so we're going to work directly with humanitarian organization as well to make sure that the Haitian people are getting the need that they, 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 the assistance that they need. And we're talking also about the U.N. World Food uh, Program, the International Organization for, for Migration. So all of these different organizations that will be working directly with uh, to make sure that assistance gets to the Haitian uh, people. And that is critical. That is important. And we understand um, we understand how 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 um, how folks, in, especially in the diaspora, feel about that. And so we're we're hearing that and we're going to make sure there's accountability. Now, you gave us a, a long list of you know efforts that are being done, which is excellent. But now people are wondering, OK, what happens next? Because we see this, these, these sort of environmental uh, issues happening, happening in Haiti uh, quite often, unfortunately. And some are wondering about the stability of the infrastructure. Does yeah. the United States have any plans to help in stabilizing uh, the region because of its very unique terrain? Yeah, it's, that's another important question um, as we look at the history, especially in Haiti. Look, you know, as I said, we see the Haitian, uh, Haiti as a partner, the Haitian people as a partner. This is a longstanding relationship that the president himself has. Uh, we're we're going to continue to uh, uh, to make sure that we provide support for Haiti's safety, security, and development. Um, just in this past January, uh, twenty in twenty twenty one, the Biden Harris administration announced seventy five point five million dollars in bilateral development and health assistance for a wide range of issues in Haiti, um, including infrastructure and, you know, make sure health and stability as I just laid out. And, you know, and since 20 and since the 2010 earthquake, uh, the United States has made available over $5.1 billion uh, for assistance as well. These to support life, life saving post-disaster relief. So there is, and that's for uh, long-term recovery, reconstruction, uh, development of programs. So there is, there is been assistance there. And so now we're just going to make sure we continue to do that and provide the need working closely um, with the, the government, the U.S. Embassy uh, as well to make sure this happens. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. One more question. Yes. Yes. Any other additional resources? Any resources anywhere you can point people to to yeah. um, to donate? Yeah, I would say definitely go to USAID. Uh, that will have a, a very, they have a really good list on their website that can give you some guidance, give folks some guidance on what else they can do, how they can be helpful, uh, which organizations uh, to potentially donate to, and also get a sense of what we're doing uh, since they are leading, uh, Administrator Power is leading the effort. And so that's what I would recommend uh, folks to go uh, and to, to really, uh, if they want to get involved and figure out how they can assist. So. So thank you for doing that to all your viewers. Thank you for, for getting involved. Thank you for caring about this issue. It's so incredibly important. Corinne, thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt Black News and updating us on all of the efforts that are now happening uh, at the hands of the United States. We certainly hope you will come back soon. All right, Ebony, back over to you. Rochelle and Corinne, thank you all so much for that very important information and update on Haiti.
Of course, here at Revolt Black News, we are keeping our Haitian brothers and sisters in our hearts and prayers as we hope for a path of restoration. All right, y'all, now listen, we reported on the California recall in the headlines, but now we need to take a closer spotlight on exactly how to fill out those ballots, whether they be mail-in or at the polls. Now, the first section on the ballot is whether or not you want a recall to happen or not. That's pretty simple, yes or no. Now, the second section is to choose a candidate, and that's should there be enough people voting for the recall in the first place. Now, let's say that you don't love Gavin Newsom, but you are not in favor of any of the Republican candidates. Remember, y'all, the likelihood of one of the few other Democratic or non-party candidates winning the recall over Newsom is going to be slim to none. Keep in mind, this recall effort was a Republican-led effort. So those are just the facts. Keep them in your perspective. So therefore, if your views align more to the left, you need to make sure that you do not align on this ballot with any of the Republicans and you would vote no on the recall. And then for the candidate, well, that part is up to you. Now, you will likely want to vote for a Democrat or a non-party candidate, or you'd want to leave that part blank. Again, that's if you align to the left. But just know this, if you vote no on the recall and then a Republican candidate you put down there, you're going to, in effect, contribute to the recalling in this unique instance. Bear all that in mind. Alternatively, of course, if you are a Republican and or your views align more on the right, or you just flat out think Gavin Newsom's been terrible and you think any of these Republican candidates' agendas will better serve you, then you will want to vote yes on the recall, and then you'll select your candidate accordingly. We're not here to tell y'all how to vote. Of course, whatever you decide is your decision. We're just encouraging you to do something and vote. If you are not already registered, of course, we've included a link below. And if you're not a California resident, but you know someone who is, make sure that they go out and exercise their right to vote. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.